That Naturopathic Podcast. TNP. Hello there. Hi, and thanks for joining us for episode one of That Naturopathic Podcast. I'm Dr. Cara Denisio. And I'm Dr. David Miller, and we hear your frustrations. This show is for you. This show is for you if you're feeling like your current healthcare strategy is not getting to the root cause or the underlying reasons for your health. This show is for you if you've been told that you're fine, but you definitely don't feel very well. This show is for you if you're walking out of your doctor's office with one, two, three, four, or even five medications without any mention of diet, lifestyle, or a long-term game plan. This show is for you if you've got several specialists taking care of you, but no one is really putting it all together. This show is for you if you believe that health should be part of health care. These problems have solutions. We know it. Our patients know it. And we want you to know it. Naturopathic medicine is the solution that you need to know about. All right. Welcome to another episode of That Naturopathic Podcast. This is Dr. Kara. And this is Dr. Dave. And today we have Dr. Nicole Roberts joining us. She is the natural brain doc. And uh, we've been... Uh, following the work she's doing and she does it with such passion and uh, great science background and she's talking about a subject today that doesn't get a lot of thought in naturopathic medicine so we are excited to talk to you welcome dr nicole thank you so much for having me i'm so excited you guys have a great podcast <laughs> thank you so we have another valedictorian today did you know that <laughs> you do yeah we looked you up. We can pick them. Yeah. Really? Oh, that's exciting. Um, yeah, you guys did have other valedictorians. I was yeah. technically a co-valedictorian, so I should I should put that in because I had a great co co-partner as well. Um, but yeah, that was great. <laughs> when did you uh, When did you graduate then? Uh, it would have been spring 2017 was when I graduated. So not that long ago, two and a half years ish. And we also checked you. You are. You did the same program as me at the University of Guelph. <gasps> no Bachelor way. of Science, Nutrition, and Nutraceutical Science. Such a small yeah. program. That's and exciting. And I think we won the same award, actually. Uh, the Hugh Branyan. No, are we on the same plaque in that building? We might be in the same plaque. <gasps> that is so funny. Oh, my God. We're like soul sisters. We totally are. Guelph. Oh, that's so exciting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, right. so what are we going to talk about today? But other than you guys having so much in common, what are you talking about? I today? wasn't valid Victorian. I, 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 Cho, Cho, oh, yeah. Dr. Mary Choi did a much uh, awesome job with that. Oh, she's awesome too. So concussions. Yes. Yeah. Um, so that's really what I have launched into in terms of my my focus in in research, and it's. I can't really say why I, I picked on it. Like I've, I've had concussions. I was an athlete growing up. I played a lot of hockey, ringette, soccer. So I got hit in the head a lot. But I never ended up struggling with post-concussion syndrome, which is you know the majority of the patients I see now. Um, and the biggest thing I found about it is I, I love the brain, everything about the brain. It's very complex. And I think people shy away from it because it's you can't treat it in black and white. There's this gray area you exist within because the brain is, is just it's so vast and everyone is so different and an injury to the brain is never the same thing which makes it very tough uh, and it affects hormones it affects your gut it affects everything it affects personality the way you see life um, movement function language speech uh, just everything and I, I like it because of that because of how how big it is and how scary it seems to tackle and uh, and then I feel like patients do need a lot more help in that area so I I think that's why I, I really got into it. You're not afraid. 
No, no, bring on like something tough, you know, like I want them to (laughs) chew on and map out and, you know, spend like Friday evening for hours trying to figure out. So naturopathic fun times. We know all about that. Totally. Nerd fun. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. So maybe Nicole, what's like maybe the the most common uh, presentation you see? So someone's coming to you, they probably know they have post-concussion or traumatic brain injury Mm -hmm. or the many synonyms. What do you think is the most common thing they're coming to you complaining of? Uh, so the majority of my patients I see are, they're usually between 25 and 40. So it's definitely a, a young demographic. They're coming in, typically I'll see people, some of them about two months out from their concussion. Um, and some of them it's about a year. They usually get to the year mark and they're so frustrated. They're coming in, the, the biggest symptoms I see would be light sensitivity, uh, sound sensitivity, and inability to focus. Uh, heightened anxiety since their concussion, uh, trouble sleeping, uh, brain fog is huge. So these patients, they just, they don't have the resiliency and the stamina anymore. And that's really getting in the way. And a lot of them have not been able to go back to work full time. And that is very tough for a, let's say millennial uh, in Toronto. So mm-hmm. we're looking at patients who you know are, are worried they can't afford their rent, who are on ODSP, who have moved back into their parents' basements. Um, and just been continually told, you know, sleep it off. It'll get better over time. You'll be fine. You don't need to see anyone else for this. Just, you know, just keep going the way you are. And they're also often told, you look good. You you don't look bad. You know, you're you know you're still showing up. Nothing looks wrong with you. Um, and they're they're very frustrated because they just they feel like they're functioning at about forty percent of who they used to be. Who do you who do you think they've generally been working with in that? first little frustrating, you know, uh, half a year or a year that that's transpired before you see them? Mm-hmm. So I don't want to sell anyone out, but um, so they, they've definitely seen their, their family doctor by then. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them maybe initially had an emergency room visit right after the incident. They had, you know, maybe they had imaging done. Um, they've had initial cognitive function testing done. Maybe about 30 to 40% have seen a neurologist at that point. And if they have, they've potentially seen them once or twice because those specialists are very, very difficult to get into. Uh, and they may have seen a physio or chiropractor by then. So I usually find that those are the professionals that they'll go to first. And that's what you see. If you Google, I'm struggling with post-concussion syndrome, that's typically the websites that you'll see come up first and that they may have seen um, one of those professionals. We're always last on the list. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And why do you think that is? Like, you know, when you say concussion, Mm -hmm. your naturopath is, is not the first person you think of you know maybe for gut that's starting to be the case or or some other conditions but for concussion it's probably you're probably the last on the list Nicole oh yeah so and what so why do you think why do you think that is uh I I think yeah I mean NDs a lot of people don't know what we do a lot of them will say you know I finally heard of naturopathic doctors but I don't know what you do and a I mean we are a profession that is 
um, very much skewed in terms of there's a lot more women in the profession than there are men. And so I think there's a big focus on, you know, we've, we've made a niche for ourselves in fertility. We've made a niche for ourselves in um, female hormones. And the majority of patients that are seeking out NDs also tend to be female as well. And so those tend to be the concerns that we've associated. The gut is finally getting um, the sort of the limelight because of a lot of um, research that's coming out around the gut microbiome and the functional MDs have really opened up that world as well. But when it comes to the brain, it's just, it's not something that we're known for because we don't necessarily, or we're not thought of as having the specialized testing, you know, neurological testing. Um, and we, we don't necessarily only do that physical medicine, which is sort of neck realignment and all of that stuff. Uh, but, you know, people don't consider the fact that the brain is within the body and it's related to what we're eating and it's related to what our immune system is doing. And it, when we're thinking about healing the brain, we're healing cells. And that's what NDs do. We're masters of biochemistry and understanding how the, the body both gets injured and how it heals. And so it makes sense that we should be in there quite a bit more than we already are. Mm -hmm. What do you think are the biggest, uh, the biggest things that we can bring to the comprehensive approach to someone with, with post-concussion? Uh, like I work with some awesome physios who do mm -hmm. uh, a lot of great work. Um, if I was to explain to them, here's, here's what I can bring to your game in the best interest of the patient, what do you think that would be that you bring to the comprehensive approach to the patient with post-concussion? Right. I think that's a really great, great question and something that we have to be able to phrase to healthcare practitioners because in the end, their referrals are what is going to be key. I always kind of phrase it as what they're working with with patients they're they're like let's say they're doing vestibular therapy which is what a lot of amazing physios will do let's say they're doing what chiropractors will do and and they're kind of ensuring alignment is good and nerve function is coming out of the spine appropriately is that they're often giving patients exercises and i say you know let me work on the internal world so that the work you do with this patient lands better so that they have more of an ability to do these exercises retrain the brain and those nerves the way we want want. Um, let me work on that, that middle ground. Because if we've got someone who's having a really hard time focusing and functioning, and then we say, hey, you know, here's a big list of exercises, do this every day, or, you know, get into the office for some manual work three times a week, and they can barely drive, we're looking at big roadblocks to that kind of care. So NDs do a lot of work with patients that can largely be done at home. Patients are taking home plans around diet care, supplement care, um, this kind of thing, and they're doing that work at home. They're not seeing their ND all the time. So we create a very good foundation, and I like the word foundation for what we do. Uh, it's basically biochemical supportive healing foundations. All right, and I want to get so that our listeners can, you know, go through some of those topics and kind of the evidence base behind them and how you're approaching them in clinic. Um, I have an interesting story. So my, my husband's actually a physiotherapist and mm -hmm. just out of interest, he took a, quite a large, uh, a, a company who offers uh, concussion training to physiotherapists. It's quite a large training uh, organization. And uh, he came home and I was all excited to hear what he learned. And I said, so what did they tell you about you know, ab about nutrition, about, uh, you know, a different, perhaps 
vitamins or supplement options or, you know, anything outside of the traditional realm of physio. And he said, well, you, I'll show you the slide. And there was one slide and it said um, nutrition and um, other nutritional support. There is, there is no evidence for this approach to concussion <laughs> management. And, and I, was, I wasn't surprised, actually, which is unfortunate. And it's unfortunate because yeah. those awesome professionals are learning that, that there's not a role. And so mm-hmm. what I love about you is you know that there's a role. So let's get into some of that. Mm-hmm. Um, there is. I mean, if you go through, I mean, the first thing I would start with with everyone is diet. And diet is very difficult to quantify in research in terms of um, this works and this doesn't because we haven't seen these sort of large, you know, randomized controlled trials where we've got, you know, people with post-concussion syndrome, post-concussion syndrome, and they're, you know, we can kind of keep those bases similar and then we've got different dietary interventions but we know and we can see this through other things that diet does change what lives in the gut microbiome so that we know for sure that's what research is showing um and so if we can basically heal and we know there is a gut brain axis too right so we know what lives in the gut is going to affect the way the brain functions we know it's going to influence the neurotransmitters that we're making like serotonin and gaba And we know that those are things that people with post-concussion syndrome are struggling with. So that is a big factor that we look at. And even things, kind of when you go through the research on, let's say, something like PubMed, and you're looking at uh, injury physiology. So we're looking at what happens to cells, what happens to brain tissue when there is a traumatic injury. We are looking at changes in um, the ability to use glucose to make ATP, which is directly related related to nutrition. We're looking at changes in uh, magnesium concentration within cells, for example, which is a very big issue post-concussion. And of course, the biggest place we look for initially with this is food, is you know, what are you getting on a day-to-day basis? What are you eating? What's coming in constantly? What is shaping your microbiome, which is shaping your immune system, which is shaping your ability to heal? So when people say there's no link between a concussion and what we eat, they're missing all of the links that we found, which are already there and they're they're there and they're shown so it doesn't uh it's a it's a little microscopic to say that and when it comes to supplements the research is out there it's we've even done research on curcumin for example in terms of making the brain more resilient before a concussion happens so that if we initiate a traumatic brain injury not in humans this was obviously done in rodents um, we're seeing less injury and less sort of deficits show up after that that injury which is is fascinating that's already out there and there are great studies that are showing a lot of these things what uh, I, there's something on your website that I love you have some some principles of 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 healing and medicine that you've learned. And one of them said this, mm. I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, I'll probably get this a little wrong, but uh, <laughs> the simpler the therapy, the better. Oh yes. yeah. Totally. And mm. so I would love to hear, and you, what, what are you doing for diet? Because these people, as you said, are, you know, they're tired and they're maybe not mm-hmm. focusing. So you can't, you know, probably telling them, let's do a full on keto, blah, 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 diet is not going to work out so well. So how are you simply addressing 
the diet gut in your patients with concussion? Yes, this is a fantastic question. And I, this is something I will probably continue to reshape my whole career. Yeah. Um, but I, this is what I, I always start with this in my initial visit with patients. And honestly, this may even just be the, the first thing that we do before we start throwing supplements at someone, especially if digestion is already compromised. Um, and so, I, I, you know, I've looked at research around the ketogenic diet and I understand the benefit of having ketone bodies available for the brain to use. And we do find that that can really help bypass some of the trouble that we have with processing glucose sort of in that post-concussion state. Um, but I find the ketogenic diet is A, very difficult in practice for, for patients. Um, B, it doesn't necessarily feel good if prior to their concussion they were very, let's just say stretched, like they had a very stressed out lifestyle. They didn't necessarily have the greatest nutrition going in. Their gut potentially wasn't really happy going in. Their adrenal hormones weren't happy going into this concussion. Um, and aside from that, the ketogenic diet we have seen, it can reduce the variety of the gut microbiome as well. So it isn't something I, I love long term. Um, and so what I, I initially have patients do is we focus on adding foods in rather than taking foods out. And this is the same logic that I use when it comes to something like weight loss. If we say you can't have this, that's pretty much all the brain is focusing on. It's like, I can't have bread. You're telling me I can't have any bread or pasta or any of this. That's all I want at this point. And that, frankly, is very easy um, for those patients to make. And so what we're doing is we're focusing on adding in fat, first and foremost, and that's from usually um, vegetarian sources. So we're looking at things like avocado, really good olive oil, really good nuts and seeds, um, figuring out how to get in things like flax oil, fish oils, all of this sort of stuff from, from ideally the cleanest source as possible um, in terms of lack of heavy metal um, and pesticide contamination. Um, and we're, we're figuring out how to make that like even up to 50% of the calories that are coming in. So it's not a full ketogenic picture, but it is really focusing on how to get more fat into somebody who potentially was eating a 60 to 80% carbohydrate based diet before the concussion. Um, the next thing that we really look at is vegetables. And this is something I find most people have a hard time doing, but once they figure it out, it will serve them for the rest of their life. So I actually take um, Dr. Terry Walls, I heard her speak um, in February and she, she threw out a number. She said 10 cups of vegetables a day. And she was like, you know, who in the room has gotten their 10 cups of vegetables today? And I was like, maybe I got half, like half a cup. I mean, not even half of what you're <laughs> saying. Um, and I was like, wow. And she she's very interesting the way she works because she didn't believe in diet. She didn't believe diet could do anything for so many years as an as a medical doctor. And now that's mostly all she does with people. And it's it's frankly kind of groundbreaking the results she's getting. So we're, we're looking at adding in raw vegetables, cooked vegetables, most of them leafy greens, some of them the cruciferous vegetables for sulfur content. Um, we're, we're kind of getting people away from the very big water-based vegetables that they thought counted you know, quite a bit when it came to nutritional status. But I want to get those B vitamins in there. I want to get zinc and magnesium and iodine, and I want to get that stuff moving in, and I want the that, that fiber to rebuild that microbiome that's probably been injured. 
probably hasn't been moving very well. The whole gut hasn't been moving well since the concussion. And so those are the two big things that I, I do with people right off the bat is if we can change this, we're opening up a lot of avenues. And this sort of resonates more with a modified paleo diet. Um, I don't like the word paleo because I don't like fads and I don't like um, what has happened sort of on the internet with this, this sort of stuff. But it... It tends to be something that people really love, they fall in love with. Even people very resistant to dietary changes, in three weeks they'll email me and say, I'm in love with this way of eating. Like I feel better and I I don't feel like I can't eat what I want. And we never say 100% don't eat this. I never do that with people because it always will backfire. Mm-hmm. That is such beautiful simplicity. I love, I love that. <laughs> Yeah, yep. nothing tastes as good as feeling great for a lot of people, right? Especially yeah. if you're very dissatisfied with how you're feeling. Um, exactly. Yeah, nothing tastes as good as that. So, uh, one thing yeah. I wanted to bring up, I think I think you're sort of doing it, um, but it's something that it's it's a principle that I sort of uh, had to follow with the uh, patient I'm seeing with like fibromyalgia and everything that goes along with that. Mm-hmm. And it, the principle was this woman has like very minimal energy reserves. And that is the idea that energy is very, very uh, precious and uh, Mm -hmm. minimal. And we know that change requires energy, even in like physics. In physics, you have to input energy to change direction from any object, whether it's at rest or, or change the direction. So the principle of having very little energy, but then trying to like a pry bar find that mm-hmm. little place where you can pry something open, it mm-hmm. makes you have to be very, very smart about where you put your energies, right? So if we're expecting someone to do like 15 things, um, mm-hmm. they don't have the energy maybe to do it all. So, <clears throat> I mean, it sounds like that's sort of what you're following is do the simple simple thing first. Is that sort of, s- sort of similar to what you're dealing with? Because as someone with concussion, I've seen some concussion patients too, and the energy is just not there. So you just got to be smart mm-hmm. with that energy. What's like the, maybe the first after, after uh, diet, what are the first mm-hmm. things you do being really cognizant of the fact that they don't have much energy? Yeah, fantastic question. And I think that's a big reason why patients are a little hesitant around naturopathic doctors because they are afraid to go into that initial visit and come out with just the most overwhelming set of instructions that they have ever been given, which may in fact make them make them feel great if they're able to get it all in. But we're also humans, right? We're not robots and we can't just do everything that we're being told is good for us. Um the biggest thing that I look for when I, I get a patient in front of me is you know, we have that 75 minutes to talk about what's going on with them. And typically at that point, a lot of the red flags have already been ruled out. So when it comes to intracranial bleeding, all of that stuff, they've they've gone through eMERGE, they've had their imaging done, they've got um, the first set of blood work that I can look at. And so a, a big thing that they haven't had at that point is someone listen to them for about an hour where they can say, this is exactly what my day-to-day feels like. And I have them go through that with me from what time do you wake up in the morning how do you feel when you wake up what's the first thing that you do what you know when do you have to stop and take a break so I know if their current stamina is about an hour and then they can't function after that then there's I know exactly sort of what can fit in for them at any given time and a big thing is that we we map out what they're feeling. So if they they always can tell me the symptom that they dislike the most, the one that they feel like is draining them more than anything else, um, and that's the one that I typically gear treatment towards 
first, especially if it's something I think that we can have good effect with. Um, And so for a lot of people that does end up being stamina and Sometimes the recommendation is let's look at some supplements, you know, let's look at acetylcarnitine, let's look at alpha GPC, let's look at some form of magnesium, obviously some baseline stuff we're looking at is fish oil and vitamin D. Um, let's, you know, let's look at curcumin and quercetin and, and all and N-acetylcysteine and maybe even glutathione support. Um, and But for a lot of them, it's you know, you're not going to be able to go back to work full time. You're going to have to treat it like you have a chronic brain injury that it will not be forever, but we've got to pull back on what you think you can jump back into because right now what's draining you the most is your expectation that you should be okay and that potentially the expectation of other people around you that you should be okay um, because you're not okay. And so that's one of the biggest things we look at is this is very similar with fibromyalgia. We see a lot of fibromyalgia patients. Initially, they were very type A. You know, they were very, I can do all of this. I can get all of this stuff done. I don't necessarily need to say no. And all of a sudden, something changes and they're not able to do that. Their body is physically saying no for them. And the mind isn't isn't on board with that yet. It really thinks like, I've got to be able to jump back and recover. And a lot of these concussion patients are, they're like 29, you know, they're 35. They're at the peak of their career and they were doing so well. And all of a sudden they feel like, you know, a shell of who they used to be. And that reassurance um, as NDs, because we spend that, time with them to say it's okay to be to, to be where you are right now. It's all right to not, you know, be able to have three jobs and have a social life that, you know, you're constantly going out and you're able to managing this, this, and this. Because honestly, your brain was probably too overloaded when you came in. You know, you don't need to be on email and social media while driving, while doing this, while solving work problems and showing people that they were already living beyond their cognitive means and that this injury has really shown them that and that we have to go back to those those basics is is very important because energy is uh it is definitely currency and i think a lot of us don't realize that until we get sick and so it makes them very mindful and changes i think who they are over the long term in a good way for sure You've talked, NDs like to think in systems, not symptoms, but systems. So as as you're listening to your patient, you've mentioned some systems already. So um, Mm -hmm. even just looking at that gut-brain connection, um, at Mm -hmm. the fuel going in, what are some of the other systems that you look at and how do you translate that into caring for your patients? Mm -hmm. Good questions. I think I want to say number one is probably going to be, not number one, but it's really up there is the hormonal system. So post-concussion, we're looking at an, uh, an incidence of about 25 to, I think they, in research, it was 25 to 60% of patients will experience some level of pituitary hypofunction after their concussion. And this can happen months post-concussion, but this can happen years post-concussion. So we are looking at following patients for a long, long time, even after feeling good. And let's say four years later, all of a sudden their hair starts falling out and they have constipation and things aren't feeling good, that we've got to recognize that that could have been a link. So that definitely comes down to um, establishing really good follow-ups for blood work. 
and blood work specifically around thyroid function, um, potentially for women around their menstrual history and their menstrual cycles. Um, and yeah, just, just looking at things that are coming out of the pituitary, like prolactin and FSH and LH. Um, and then the downstream effects, what's estrogen, testosterone, DHEA, progesterone looking like. Um, and this is, you know, I do this maybe every three to six months when I first see people, but this should be something that's being checked yearly. Um, after a very significant concussion. And that's astonishing to me because that's a high percentage mm -hmm. of people with a concussion. That's a damage to your master gland. And yeah. no, I am certain. The master gland. The master gland. I am certain <laughs> that most people with concussion have never been told that that's a possibility. Yeah, it's it's um it boggles the mind of um like functional medical doctors that I'll talk to. I'll be like, are, are you checking hormones? And they'll be like, hormones. I'd be like, of course. Like that's that's what our brain. That's not the only thing our brain does, but it's huge. And the pituitary is right there, you know. And the hypothalamus is just in in the back, and it's it's so big when it comes to it's very unquantifiable if you hit your head on your frontal lobe but you got a little bit of that whiplash injury where the edema shows up you know where the swelling is if you know if there is any bleeding where is that affecting things and the thing we can't quantify is is scar tissue showing up? Are we seeing good circulation throughout the brain tissue? Are we seeing good metabolism and mitochondrial function throughout the brain tissue? Um, and that is really only, aside from functional MRIs, which show a little bit, is listening to symptoms of people and relating it back to their past medical history. So a really good medical history and just listening to your patient, it is probably 65% of being a good doctor, if not more. Yes. <laughs> Well, yeah, like moments take time. I, I think sometimes you get uh, moments with people, and I, um, I don't know. It's it's hard to it's hard to predict when like moments will come where either you or the patient will realize something. But mm -hmm. I can be pretty damn sure to tell you they don't happen within two minutes, and that's no, why you do need no. to take a little bit of time. No, I think <clears throat> that's a, I guess that's a, a struggle with modern conventional medicine is just that time factor. It's the time factor and it's, uh, you know, it's even with NDs, you know, we we don't see people too, too often, right? There is a bit of a financial barrier there where um, if they don't have insurance or if they do, they have limited insurance coverage. Mm -hmm. And so maybe we see people every couple months <clears throat> and that's still much better um, than kind of not coming in. And there's the idea that our medicine is working not slowly because it doesn't it doesn't always work slowly it can work very quickly sometimes um, but that we've got to have patients that understand you know that this is a long haul that we're in for and that's also tough right when you just want to feel better immediately so continuing to come back in and get your blood work done and have your ND check on your symptoms and I use a lot of cognitive functioning tracking with patients because it's very hard for them to be able to tell me if things are better in three months because they live with themselves every day. You know, they have those symptoms every day. So it's it's hard for them to be able to say, you know, I think things are better. Um, but yeah, absolutely. We've got to build that process and, and normalize that and say, we're going to be working together for the next couple of years and that's okay and that's all right. And you'll have other doctors too. Um, but to build that trust with people is very big. I want to bring the, the gut back in a little bit to... Um, mm -hmm to this because what I've what I've read and you're the expert here but the little I've read is that there's often uh, gut dysfunction in uh, mm -hmm. post-concussion is that 
something you could maybe comment on a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I was expe- I would expect nothing less from the gut gangsta <laughs> to bring that up. Um, yes, it there definitely is. Usually, I find there was something going on with the gut before the concussion, but it, it the gut's interesting because we will live with symptoms forever, right? We'll be like, I'm bloated after every <laughs> yeah. meal, or I've been constipated for a week, but eh, it's fine. Like I'll just keep going with my life. Um, so there's not a lot that kind of slows us down around it until um, we really have someone ask us how is your digestion you know are you having a bowel movement every day you know twice a day you know what's the consistency and people are like what i don't i don't even think about this stuff but it is huge because we think about the gut and it being the one part of the body aside from sort of the external body and the skin that is exposed to the external world and this is through what we drink eat swallow um and so this is massive and it's a big regulator in terms of um, a the nutrition that we are actually able to absorb which is huge um the gut microbiome which to this day and probably every day until the end of my career i will be continue to be fascinated by the information coming out in this field how much the gut microbiome is really doing and that is called the second brain so if you treat concussions and you treat the primary brain without ever considering the second brain you are missing this massive chunk of therapeutic intervention and the gut microbiome is huge and then we're actually looking at the integrity of the gut wall and then we're looking at how the actual gastrointestinal system moves so we've got to be paying attention to first of all chewing and swallowing esophageal function um stomach function is your your stomach acid high enough are you getting good enzyme production and activation in your small intestine can you even break down food and and absorb things like iron which is necessary for not only energy and red blood cell production but thyroid function and a whole bunch of other things you know are you able to to get enough of this stuff in you and so from there we're looking at the small intestine and small intestinal bacterial overgrowth is huge in the post-concussion patient um, world and it's we just saw injury to the nerves that were talking to the gut and their ability to say and initiate that migrating motor complex that's coming down from the stomach to actually allow that small intestine to move well. And so patients with massive amounts of bloating and brain fog, a lot of that can be tied back to what's in their gut. And they always thought it was concussion related. They always thought it was some, you know, issue with the brain itself and to tease out what is coming from the gut and what is coming from the brain and how they are coming together to create these long-term symptoms that people struggle with for years post-concussion is huge. And then there's the large intestine, which is a massive, that's our microbiome right there. And the number of people I have found that have big issues going on with their gut microbiome, despite the fact that they have been on a probiotic for three years continuously, is very big. And so the research coming out saying that a probiotic is not enough. You can't just give yourself this, you know, this little capsule encapsulated form of the gut microbiome and you'll be okay. You've really got to show up and and nourish it somewhat like a garden. That's kind of what I liken it to with people is that you don't have to show up for the garden every day. You don't have to weed all the time, um, but you have to show up in general. Otherwise it's going to wilt and you're not going to have variety and it's not going to grow very well. Um, And the way that that influences the immune system, which is my primary area of focus right now is you know how does what live how does what lives in our gut affect the way we are able to heal and the way we're able to make antibodies and how can that help and hurt us 
after a very significant injury. Um, and we should note that post-concussion, that blood-brain barrier may not be as strong as it should be. And so the immune system is very, a very, very important thing to look at at that point in time um, because that can be a very big piece when it comes to um, post-concussion syndrome as yeah, well. Yeah, I've, I've noticed this um, with... Uh, I use lion's mane. I'll just get right to the point. I use lion's mane with someone. Yeah, I was yeah, going to say that Someone one. I know who um, who has concussion symptoms or post-concussion symptoms, and what was really cool is that it re uh, retaught me the gut-brain connection because this particular person mm -hmm. was then able to uh, eat foods that they couldn't have eaten before. So I now use lion's mane for not just for concussion. And cognitive, but I use mm -hmm. it for uh, immune, like neuroimmune reactivity in the gut. You know, for those people that like they eat better mm -hmm. than you, and they're reacting to like perfectly roasted organic chicken. Yeah, it's like that's on elimination diet, dude. Like you shouldn't mm -hmm. be reacting to that. So mm -hmm. I found lion's mane was really a nice teacher for me in terms of uh, learning that gut brain axis and the neuroimmune reactivity of the gut decreases mm -hmm. um, when I was not even uh, prescribing it for the gut, it was for the brain. So I just thought that was really a neat sort of thing. Have, mm -hmm. you, have you used lion's mane or is there any other like uh, go-tos that you have? Um, yeah, lion's mane was definitely on my list. I so interesting because I, and I knew you're going to ask me this um, because I was like, oh, you know, David's going to know all these herb stuff and he's going to be so great at this stuff. And herbs I probably use they're not top of my list like i do a lot of the orthomolecular based what does that stuff mean for people because... that don't know orthomolecular right oh good yes i was throwing out those weird words again um i'll use things like um so the vitamins minerals and sort of the isolated compounds i really say it for anything that's not a botanical medicine botanical or homeopathy so um i'll be using a lot of those isolated compounds although i do use a lot of things like um curcumin and quercetin um bacopa is another one oh, of I my favorites bacopa. um oh it's just amazing though that one can do it's tough because i will see a lot of people who come in um and they've like if they've been struggling with post-concussion syndrome for about a year year and a half they are probably on an antidepressant by the time i see them and because there has been some level of you know sleep dysfunction and mood dysfunction and so um, the conventional medical system is very good at isolating that and saying, all right, now go on this medicine. And typically I find that it hasn't helped them as much as it should have, but then we've got that added layer of interaction between the herbs and the, uh, the, uh, the drug therapies. So then I, you know, it's harder to use the therapeutic mm -hmm. dose of those kind of things. Um, but yeah, I would say lion's mane is up there, Bacopa is up there. Those are probably the two that I use most often, but I have been using St. John's wort quite a bit, um, especially with sort of some of the, the nerve issue that we that we look at. Um, and one symptom, you guys kind of alluded to this before, and it, it's sort of, you know, if someone comes in and they have this symptom, what makes you think like, oh, this is gonna be really tough? And that would be people who come in with um, nerve dysfunction post-concussion. And it could be uh, the olfactory nerve isn't functioning well, like they can't smell, um, they can't taste food, which really is an added complication for patients. And it can really take away a lot of that joy of mm -hmm. just life overall. Um, I've had a lot of like burning scalp pain, which is a very interesting symptom to try and treat. Um, and I basically, 
at that point, you know, when the research isn't there saying like this symptom comes from this system, so let's treat it like this, we are, are considering sort of the naturopathic you know, back roads into getting towards these symptoms. So, you know, is there something going on with the gut that is allowing this nerve to become inflamed? Is this nerve, you know, inflamed by some scar tissue that's pinching it or some cervicogenic issue so that, you know, the, the neck isn't, is, is sort of the, the root cause of it. Um, and that's when it gets tough. So that's when we're looking at like acupuncture and, you know, maybe we throw in homeopathy as the cherry on top to see if that moves anything. Um, and that's where I find that the herbs are very effective because they are almost like this gift from nature and they have so much going for them that the body understands how to use that we can't get when we start isolating compounds in more of that orthomolecular side. Um, And so that's when I really start to look to herbs because they almost have this wisdom built into them that is smarter than than smarter than me, smarter than anything I guess I could kind of try to regulate myself. So I, you've mentioned a couple things there that I'd like to uh, just take some time with because I think it's really important. And I know some of your other uh, clinical uh, focuses are uh, you do a lot of work with anxiety, OCD, you know, mental health in addition to concussions. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but you have mentioned that as a, you know, a symptom or a downstream effect perhaps of not sleeping. How, what do mm-hmm. you see in post-concussion uh, with respect to uh, more mental health-based uh, consequences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is is really big, and this would be what I find I get the best outcome with in terms of treatment um, relatively quickly. So within a couple months, we can really start to get these symptoms feeling better for the majority of patients. Now, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't promise all, but... Um, Anxiety is probably the biggest one that I see people coming in with. Um, For patients that had anxiety before the concussion, they are at a much greater risk of their anxiety worsening post-concussion. And anxiety is very interesting because it, again, is sort of a product of everything that's going on. So anxiety is something that should really always be addressed holistically because it can very much be affected by hormonal dysfunction, which we know is something that will happen post-concussion. Immediately post-concussion, when we look at what happens in the brain, there is this sort of shearing of the cell membranes um, at the time of injury, which changes the way that ions will flow. So we'll see a lot of potassium run out of the cell into the extracellular space, and this can initiate a lot of depolarization of cells. So if we kind of think back to like grade nine when we learned about you know the way nerves send a signal, basically we've got a lot of these nerves sending signals and it shouldn't be happening. So there's an overstimulation that's happening at that point. There's also a change in the way that calcium moves after a concussion, and this can really get in the way of um, an amino acid called glutamate, which can basically lead to a process of excitotoxicity, or where we have too much glutamate, which means too many signals are being sent, and the brain is just sort of in this overdrive state. And so people won't be sleeping. Um, This will change their cortisol regulation throughout the day. It will change their human growth hormone, which is necessary for healing. It will change testosterone, estrogen, their menstrual cycles, um, and their, their emotional resilience just plummets at this point. And so they're in this sort of almost like fight or flight state all the time. And it initially may have happened just because these cells were not regulating the ion channels very well. 
And so something that we do look at is how do we move past that brain barrier? How do we get in there and change that sort of excitotoxic glutamate state? Which interestingly enough is one of the same things that we look at in ADHD and autism as well. And so what was different about me when I came into the concussion realm was that I had done a lot of studying um, specifically around Sonia and Carissa Doherty um, and their work in autism and ADHD. And I had just found that fascinating because they were using what they call a biomedical model for treating the brain. Um, and basically saying that, you know, a lack of focus is not necessarily a brain issue. It is a whole body issue. And if we change all of this, we change, and they, they are pioneers of, let's change what lives in the gut, which means we will change what cells do and how cells behave. And when that happens, we start to see healing. Um, and glutamate is a very big focus for them in changing that concentration within the brain and the way it's being used. Um, there's actually an upregulation of certain enzymes after a concussion that will um, affect, it, it will see a complete change in metabolism, in cellular metabolism, which is very fascinating. So anxiety is, is big because it can kind of start from this ionic place, this cellular ionic place, and then it can morph into being a hormonal issue or a, a gut microbiome issue because people can't make GABA, which is a very calming neurotransmitter, because they're lacking certain bifidobacterium or serotonin because they're lacking, you know, those bacteria. So it's this very complex issue and you just work stepwise. You sort of heal the most foundational pieces first and you see what changes as you go. And that's sort of how you take a very complex issue and treat it in a very simple way. I, I, I wish we could see sometimes into you know, an ND's brain, you know, as, you know, maybe I'm taking a case on hormones and our, we're, mm -hmm. I love the holistic nature of our brain and that, you know, I'm connecting, you know, estrogen and anxiety and, oh, it's not ovulating, so no progesterone, no GABA. So it's yes. just, I love hearing your brain talk about brains because we can really start to see how, you know, I think the conventional approach of concussions has stayed in the brain. And I love the picture mm -hmm. you're pointing at that, sorry, you know, we, we don't live in isolation and our organs aren't in isolation. And you're really painting a great picture of how our whole body talks to each other and it needs to be a whole body approach. So I'll yeah. blend the, my, uh, my hormone uh, expert here <clears throat> and your, uh, your expertise too, um, <laughs> and just ask, what do you see in terms of uh, reactions to uh, concussion, the differences between men and women, and then uh, as a sort of subset of that, then what about women's um, sort of hormonal uh, regulation and how that affects their healing? Just this, the reason this is coming up is because I've just seen how uh, how progesterone is actually sort of brain protective, and so I want to, I just want to mm -hmm. know the mm -hmm. difference between men and women, and then perhaps as a subset of women who have problems with progesterone. Do you have any, do you have any input on, on that? Sorry, I just laid that mm -hmm. one on you, sorry. No, that's okay. It's so funny because I was actually just doing research on progesterone as a therapeutic intervention Phew. last week. Perfect timing. <laughs> um, so yes, that's fantastic that we had you know our podcast today. Um, 
it, I feel like I, I won't have any more like answers to provide for it, but I, I was looking at this because it's very fascinating. And the research that's out there for progesterone is that they were using it, um, this would be in like very traumatic instances because they were using the Glasgow Coma Scale as their, um, as what they were looking at in terms of does this provide mm-hmm. benefit or not. So we're looking at, you know, patients who were, you know, really, really struggling and they were in hospital. And the progesterone was provided um, intravenously. So it was considerable doses through a route that NDs would not be doing. Um, but it, it was convinced to look at the outcome. And the smaller studies found that it, it may actually have benefit. And then they started to conduct these larger trials. And at the six point, the, or sorry, the six month mark, they actually canceled the trial because they found negligible benefit with giving um, progesterone. And these were for trials with about a thousand participants. So it really was a good way to see if this this intervention stacks up. Um, And what we're finding with this is that we can make a very logical case for progesterone, for DHEA, allopregnenolone, which is a metabolite through the progesterone pathway, um, because we can see what they do. In rodent studies, we can see that they can increase... um, brain-derived neurotropic factor, which can be very important for healing. They can flick on a lot of processes that are theoretically very beneficial when we have a, a massive brain injury. But then, you know, clinically, we didn't see the benefit that we expected. And the end of the the paper that I was reading on this, which I really liked, was just saying that you know, we still don't know that much because if we give progesterone, we're not sure about the individual biochemistry, so how they're breaking down progesterone. And what they also think is that it depends on what in what part of the brain was injured because we will see different concentrations of hormone-based receptors in different areas, which is also difficult for us to map because of the variability between people. And so it's almost like they need to do the study, you know, give something like progesterone versus DHEA, um, and then measure metabolites, you know, whether urine metabolites are even going to be good enough for that, I don't know, um, and and really be able to follow people that way. Um, and so what I've taken from this in terms of clinical, what I do clinically is I, I test progesterone. I don't give progesterone right now to my male patients. I actually find the male patients tend to be relatively resilient to um uh, and maybe it's because I see uh, less of them, but I find that it's the women that tend to stick around with the post-concussion syndrome a little bit longer, um, is that we will check in and I will use progesterone if it's indicated with blood values. Um, but other than that, I just I haven't been able to see enough benefit. You know, and We can only give the topical <laughs> progesterone, so it's definitely questionable in terms of how much it's going to help. But I look a lot at, you know, can we provide the building blocks of that cholesterol sort of biosynthesis so that they can make this stuff Mm -hmm. on their own if they need to, which is always something we can do. Again, that comes back to diet. So of course diet has to help. Um, And I'll use herbs that I know will encourage healthy ovulation. Um, Ovulation is just it's fascinating what it does for women. And when we don't ovulate, um, like at the times that we should be, it's very interesting what it starts to throw off, not only in a lack of progesterone, but then we get that sort of yin and yang imbalance between our other hormones. Um, I should probably explain that too. Yin being sort of like, actually most people yeah, know yin and yang, there. right? Yeah. Like we just, we need to have a scale. We need to have a little bit of A and B. Um, well, give some, so, give some, yeah, let's give some I, examples. Yin. Uh, yin is cold yang is hot 
Young is yin warming. Is down, yeah, yin, yin is, is up. Yin young is, is up. female. <laughs> yang is male. That, that then people is male. There you go. I uh, I wanted just yeah. just to before you leave progesterone because I love progesterone. And I knew she was going to mm-hmm. lure, lure Honestly, you in. Uh, uh, don't get me started on ovulation because I think it's like a woman's health necessity, and we uh, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think flippantly uh, don't appreciate that. But uh, the, just back yeah. to progesterone and, and brain and uh, mental health too. There's a, just a cool. It's a bit of a, a different application, but. Um, there's, they're doing studies of, on progesterone for postpartum depression. And it, yep. it kind of brought up for me, uh, why it might not work in concussion is because they probably didn't, um, think about baseline status. So perhaps there's a subgroup of women mm-hmm. who progesterone might be more helpful, uh, for concussion with, but the, it's, it's interesting. The trials they're using, they're using an IV allopregnelolone, which is a metabolite or mm-hmm. um, a metabolite of progesterone that's very calming mm-hmm. and increases GABA. And we also need to think that right after pregnancy, um, your progesterone goes from something like 200 to zero, basically the day you give birth. And so there's some women who are very sensitive to the hormone changes. Um, but the results of this IV infusion of this form of progesterone are outstanding. Like the the reversing postpartum depression basically in a lot of women uh where progesterone is the issue um the only catch is that one iv infusion is thirty two thousand (gasps) dollars yeah oh my goodness the the drug's called brexel alone i don't know why they're not just using oral progesterone which turns into allopregnolone but uh, anyway that's an aside but it it, it kind of highlights how progesterone is really key uh and, and can really help in the brain it's so interesting that they're using the same metabolite that they're looking at yes, in post-concussion yeah. as well. That's what fascinating. What about estrogen? Yeah. Because estrogen, it, it does increase neuroplasticity. Uh, what, what, what else? Mm-hmm. What can you say about estrogen? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so estrogen, I haven't looked at in terms of a therapeutic benefit in, in adding it, mostly because I think the patients I see tend to have uh, a good amount of it. So it's not necessarily that we're, I, I mean, if I definitely saw someone with a concussion, we're thinking perimenopause, postmenopause, that would be huge in terms of individualized healing and incorporation into their treatment plan. Um, the, the thing that's interesting is that obviously we can get estrogen signaling from a lot of places. And nowadays with a lot of pollution and pesticides and a lot of these sort of xeno hormone sort of compounds coming into the body is that there's a question of how much is endogenous healthy estrogen and how much is sort of signaling from these other influences. And is there a difference between the two, which there definitely is because we know that they won't bind the same way. Um, but yeah, that is big. And we need estrogen right to ovulate like it's there's got it this is this symphony that's kind of what I tell women there's this like orchestra going on in your body every month and they're they always look at me like I'm like kind of a little nuts as I'm saying this but I'm like it's so beautiful like it is and it's getting messed with quite a bit and honestly I think the biggest thing that's getting in the way of this symphony is um is stress it's huge. I'm watching people come in and they're just, they're completely dysregulated and we take them out of the environment for a little bit and they rebuild this, that they basically rebuild the orchestra without sort of me having to go in and manipulate every little piece. Um, 
but yeah, if we can get that beautiful building of estrogen by sort of day 14 and we get that release of the egg and then we get that gorgeous sort of progesterone, like, bloom i, I like don't even that. know what i would call yeah, it I in like the last that. two weeks bloom i was looking at this the the charts today and i was trying to figure out how to explain to someone i was like yeah it's like this little like humping bloom i don't know it sounds weird but um humping bloom I've yeah never no that that, that, I, I, that <laughs> that's weirder yeah that's I, more testosterone at ovulation the i think the humping bloom <laughs> exactly which i know great. very yeah. important for men <laughs> Yeah, also definitely necessary. Yeah. Uh, So yeah, the hormones just because they can do so much in terms of binding at the level of the cell and they change our DNA. It's or the way our DNA is sort of expressed is is huge in terms of an intervention. And I think that that postpartum work really highlights that. And I think going back to your uh, how the systems of hormones are impacted by concussion, you're basically wiping out that composer that composes that symphony. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You're just like, now figure it out yourselves. And you've got everyone trying to play an instrument at the wrong time. And just no one is sort of trying to coax that system back to that that place. And part of that's healing the brain. And then that's a great place to start using herbs, right? So it just, Okay, so yeah. I've got my uh, classic Dave oversimplified uh, synopsis. It's going to involve <laughs> war, child soldiers, bunkers. Oh. No, not this time. Not no? this time. It was just—it's just a really obvious thing that we've sort of we've all talked about through various ways. But it sounds like um, you know the idea here is we we should always be building resilience because, uh, like you said, like we're going to have more problems post concussion with our guts if we already had problems with our guts. We're probably going to have problems, uh, more post-concussion problems with our hormones if we already had problems with our hormones. So, I mean, I think we gave a few examples of those, and I know it seems really obvious, but that's that's my gift, is, <laughs> is to say that we just got to continue to work towards, like, resilience and building ourselves up into that um, beyond, like, waiting till the wheels fall off kind of um, idea of medicine and, and sort of seeking out wellness even though i i hear that that's a term that some people don't really like but um seeking out like balance mm-hmm. is that better i don't know what people are people are offended by everything now it seems but um i think that's the idea is mm-hmm. to build up resilience so that these things if a concussion happens then you're in you know better stead yeah. than you would have been before so yeah that would be my takeaway from all of it is that and even if you've had the concussion, that's usually the point at which you start to think about it again. Is this your one um, thing that you want? I, every, yeah, I think that's it. Your one, okay. This is my one yeah, thing. It throw was the it one down thing, hard. Yeah. What's the one thing? <laughs> I had it written down. I was like, I, that's so funny that you hit on it too, because I was I was like, yeah, what do I want people to take away from this? And it, it always came back to the idea of resilience. And it's not just cognitive resilience or brain-based resilience, but the emotional resilience, the gut resilience, if we are building a good foundation, our bodies are built to take a certain amount of hits. Like they can. And obviously it doesn't mean that if, you know, you lived really well that you won't get post-concussion syndrome because it doesn't work that way. Um, But if we're doing the best we can, let's say like 80% of the time, that's usually what I tell people is when it comes to diet, 80% of the time, um, if we're checking in on how we're doing while we're somewhat okay, then when we weather a storm, we will be able to come out the other side sort of ideally that much better. And this comes back to a huge tenant of naturopathic medicine, which is prevention. And 
all of the concussion courses I've ever done have always come back to, all right, how are we going to modify sports? How are we going to modify these guidelines to, um, to prevent concussions? The majority of patients I have did not sustain their concussion in sports. It was usually always an accident, which is very, very difficult for us to prevent because it was already an accident. Um, and you typically by the time they re-injure themselves, it's another accident. So these are things that we're looking at sort of if we're going to prevent something, is it in fact in just building resiliency into how we live as best we can now? And I would say that's the same for anxiety, for like hormonal dysfunction, for going through menopause. Like it comes into checking in with someone, getting an ND on our team and just sort of saying like, where am I at now? What can I do? What can I modify about my life in a non-overwhelming, non-threatening way to build that in? And I think build resiliency is the perfect awesome. way to say that. Dave. Dave has a metaphor mm -hmm. about a boat and a keel. Ooh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I got too many metaphors. People probably heard, you know, the storms happen, or as you said, hits happen. And so it's not about yeah. never, you know, being able to go through them, but it's about building a, you know, a nice strong keel that you're able to weather the storm uh, that are, like you're saying, yeah. like, hits happen. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, be prepared yep, they and will. proactive. Mm -hmm. I like it. This was, I didn't mean to steal your takeaway. Exactly. That just means, no, yeah, that it was, was so perfect. perfect. It wasn't even by design at all. <laughs> yeah. No, we're on like, the same page. Like, yeah, Karen and I are like the soul sisters, but like, you know, we have the same take home message. Right, it's, cool. it's, it's, we're all good. <laughs> all right, Nicole, how do, how do our listeners find you? Um, yeah, so you guys can find me right now, uh, really online. Um, and so I know tough for sort of some post concussion patients who are avoiding screen time. But um, so I have my website, which is drnicolerobertsnd.com or drnicolerobertsnd.com. And I try to get new articles up there. Um, it is it's tough, you know, having time to write down sit down and write them. Um, and then I'm online at the natural brain doc on uh, Instagram and Facebook. You will notice if you go on there, I'm a little sporadic in my posting just cause you know, it's, it's nice to take a break from, from social media when you can. Um, and I kind of done that for the last four months just for my own anxiety, which worked very well. Um, but yeah, that's where I am, I'm at. And, and right now I'm working um, with another colleague on, on getting some resources together for this side of concussion work so that we have a framework for doctors that want to get into this, who want to look at the nutrition, the research around supplements. You know, how do we just follow patients and make sure they're being well taken care of on every front so it will be aimed at nds um, but also dcs you know chiropractors physios anyone who wants to to get into that stuff um, and kind of take that that approach and then we'll have resources for patients and hopefully we'll get that stuff up by next year but um, and that will be posted on social media when it's finally ready as well awesome awesome I really enjoyed our conversation today and learned a lot. And Me too. Uh, I, uh, I can't wait for this information to get out. Keep, keep pushing it because it needs to be heard. Thank you. I, I will do that. I, it's nice to get some reinforcement behind it that it, it actually will make a difference. So I will, I'll buckle down. Well, taking care of your brain too. All right, Nicole. Have a yes, great day. Exactly. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Bye. Thank you guys. Bye. That Naturopathic Podcast, TNP. Hello there.